worshiping us today. Hope you're having a good, good week and you had a good Thanksgiving. How are you today? How was your Thanksgiving? We rehearsed that. We did rehearse that. We rehearsed that. that. I had a really nice Thanksgiving. It, uh, you know, it w- what really dawned on me yesterday, I was talking to my mom, is last th- Thanksgiving I actually spent in the hospital a, a chunk of that day with my mom. Mm. That was kind of the beginning of her health journey. And, uh, well, she wasn't in the hospital this year. So it's already better. So that's already better. Uh, you know, I didn't have family come over, and it's maybe the first time in maybe 15 years hmm. where we haven't hosted, and that felt weird. And <laughs> I know what you're going to say. And all right. It was all right. Um, you know, uh, Vanessa and I continued to comment throughout the day, just, hey, this this is okay. It's, you know, normally we'd be a little like, okay, we got to get this ready because so-and-so is probably going to show up at this time, and we don't know when Eric's going to show up. He's supposed to bring the relish tray, but he's always late. That kind of defeats the purpose. You know, this, I got up at 6 and went out and started smoking the turkey, and it was just a turkey breast, and it was wonderful. And we only made the stuff that we knew that we liked, except she made green beans, which I don't like. I never knew that about you. I don't like, I love green beans but not the ones out of a can on the stove with bacon in it. Those are so good. That's nasty stuff. Soggy bacon. Who likes that? Still bacon. I don't know. I don't know. Becomes not bacon, huh? I don't know. Uh, it's my mom's thing. Vanessa likes it too. I don't I don't like it. Yeah, it's like spag- spinach out of a can. That's disgusting. Or green peas. Out of a can, yeah. Yeah, because you touch them and they shrivel. Yeah. It's yeah. Gross. What did you guys do? We had a very relaxing uh, uh, Thanksgiving. It, w- it was just, you know, my family and Kathy's folks. And, yeah, it was just a really slow, mellow day. We made a minimal thing. We just had turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, and corn. That's yeah. it. Simple, relaxing. We didn't go anywhere. We didn't do anything. We didn't even watch football. You know, it was just relaxing. It was strange. Very, very strange. Did you get to the end of the day and you went, I feel relaxed. I feel, I feel, uh, that's how I felt. We I'm glad it. you need it. You work so hard. We watched two movies. We watched, uh, do you know who Studio Ghibli is? No. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle? No. Spirited Away? No. <sighs> Anybody Spirited back there? Spirited Away? No? Yes. Yes, I know that movie. It's all the same. Now Sam is addicted to them. We watched two of their movies, and now he's like, how many more can we watch? Okay. And they're good. Yeah. This has nothing to do with no. our service today. So good Zero. morning. Yeah. I'm glad you're here. Let me give you. A c- let's run through a couple of announcements real quick. I'm going to pull out this because I have some announcements. First of all, business meeting will be coming this coming Saturday. No, not Saturday. Next Sunday after church. Probably, I think it's at noon. If you want to attend, either you're a member, um, you, you need to let us know because we need to make sure we have quorum. Or two, you're not a member, but you would like to become a member. You need to let me know this week so that we can make sure we have it, it all set up. So that's the first thing with the business meeting. The second thing is there is going to be some constitutional changes with that. And if you have any questions about it, Wednesday um, at 7 o'clock, I'm going to be doing a, a, uh, a, a live, I think it's going to be Zoom. Zoom. It's going to be a Zoom thing that you can join in on. Just let us know if you want to do that to talk about it, explain it kind of go over it so that when we get to the business meeting, it's not, you don't have any clue what's going on. So that's the business meeting. I yes. have just a quick question. Jesse, you can call into Zoom without doing the video, right? Yes. So like if I have the phone number, 
I can just for people who are a little less tech savvy, tech savvy they could we could you they can could just call. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, great. Yeah, you don't need to have a camera or anything. You just it's a phone number to call so you can hear it. Second, women's hormones exchange uh, um you need to register by December 4th. And it's going to be an amazing thing, of course, because Jesse's doing it, where they're putting together ornaments together online. So if you're in Ohio or Texas or wherever it is, join in that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Third, and YouTube. We have an announcement yeah. about YouTube. So we, d we just learned this morning that starting December 1st, uh, in order to broadcast live on YouTube, you have to have a minimum of 1,000 subscribers, people who subscribe to your channel. Um, we have 63. I believe that's true. Uh, what that means is if you're a person who watches on YouTube, it's fairly unlikely that between now and December 1st, we're going to gain that 937 subscribers. So we encourage you to migrate to Facebook. Um, in the meantime, I, I do intend to mount some kind of campaign to get us to 1,000 subscribers, which is, seems unrealistic. But people who subscribe don't actually have to watch the service. They just need to subscribe and ignore us if they want to. So if you know somebody and you can steal their phone, you can subscribe on their behalf. <laughs> <laughs> and all of you who do watch, because we do get quite a few people who watch, just go to YouTube and click find you know, Open Door Community Church and press subscribe, even if you don't intend to ever watch on YouTube and you want to watch on Facebook. We could get probably pretty close just by the people who normally watch. Right. I'm gonna, Sam's going to be subscribed. Yes, you are, Sam. You will <laughs> be subscribed. Um, I'm going to encourage people in my family. I'm going to go on Facebook and encourage my friends. If you wouldn't mind subscribing, just because uh, I don't want our reach to be limited because we don't have a thousand subscribers. I think we get a thousand watchers. Uh, yeah, I'll often we will get. But yeah. But we don't have that many subscribers. Yeah. So. Um, beyond that, we're going to have a Christmas Eve service. It's going to be online. Um, it won't be in person, but we'll have an online thing. And I don't know the time that we're going to broadcast that, but I'll, we'll let you know in the next couple of weeks. And then we have a sing-along. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, well, uh, we've decided that on just a few minutes ago, December 20th, uh, we'll set the time. Just going to do a low-key sing-along. Uh, my intention is to provide lyrics for that so you don't have to find songbooks. Uh, what I do ask you to do, though, is uh, reach out to me through social media or email or however you wish to do so. If you have a favorite Christmas song, whether it's secular or religious, uh, let me know so uh, between now and the 20th I can prepare that. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, like, my mom's friend Marsha really loves this song, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on that song, so that'll be ready for the 20th. So, you know, my uh, the goal is just, you know, we're... It's nice to get together and sing, and since we can't do that, let's we'll get together online, and mm -hmm. um, I'll wear my pajamas, you wear your pajamas, and we'll just in just be comfortable and sing Christmas songs. There you go. By the way, are we going to wear pajamas for the Christmas Eve service? I don't know. I haven't thought that far. Do we do that normally? No. No. So no. It's usually the Christmas, the the New Year's Eve service. Ah, thank you. Okay, very good. Um, the last thing I just want to remind you is that we are doing a giving tree. And um, I don't have any information on that, but Jesse can probably put that on Facebook for you so that uh, y if you're interested in, in, in helping the needy during this time. All right. I think that's all of our announcements.
What are we talking about today? Today is Advent. Oh, right there. Oh, open door trivia night, Christmas edition, December 13th. If you'd like to be a part of that, it was a blast last time. Yes, uh, I have some people here who've done it, and they're going, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, join us on this. That'll be a lot of fun. All right. It is the first Sunday in Advent, and I realized last week there's a lot of people who don't know what Advent is. Um, and what it is, is it's, a, it's an ancient tradition that's been around for quite a long time, that's done all over the world. It's just those four weeks before Christmas where you're celebrating, you're remembering, you're anticipating um, the coming of Jesus. Advent, this word Advent, is Latin for coming. So it's about, it's the coming season. And we're remembering both the coming of Jesus at Christmas, but, we're, but it's also connected with the second coming. Coming. And so that's what we're going to be doing today. And the, and the boxes here, they're just, it's something we can do online together. Because I know we can be together, and that really breaks my heart, but we can at least kind of together do this. And what it is, is every week we light a new candle. And so this week is about hope. That hope is what Christmas brings. It is the fulfillment of a hope that Jesus has been promised for thousands of years in the Old Testament, and then he finally comes, and that, that that hope will be fulfilled in the second coming of Jesus, which is what we're going to talk about today. What is the hope that Christmas has brought and will be fulfilled when Jesus comes back? Oh, and it's good. It's really good. So, so what we're going to do is grab your boxes, and we're going to talk about today we light the candle of hope, and we'll light one of these go it lit and it's lit all right let me pray for it father god thank you for hope in this dark world where there is so oftentimes so much despair and so much darkness and misery and um and fear you know fear is just crippling us right now in this country anxiety um, there's broken relationships. We don't, I mean, especially right now where we just can't be with people we love. It's so hard. But, but I thank you that Jesus, that you're giving us hope of all of that, all of that ugly, all of that bad will be undone because of you, Jesus. Because you kept your promise of Christmas, which means you're going to keep the promise of you coming again, Jesus. Now help us to celebrate, help us to remember, help us to anticipate again your advent. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, I, um, I wish that everybody understood better who you are, that they could view you, especially those who don't really know you or accept you, if they could view you 
through an understanding of the love that you presented to us, the blessing that you poured over us through your son, Jesus, and not through our flawed representation of it, that we would not be a barrier that is Christ, as we celebrate Christ coming again, as we celebrate the hope that he represents, that other people could find hope in him without the, the taint of of our flawed representation. And yet, I ask that you make us stronger. You make us better representations of who you are so that we all can celebrate who you are and what you have done through your son, Jesus. And Father, give us hope let me rephrase that, Father. Help us to understand, <laughs> explain and help us to understand your hope. Because it's, it's not enough for me to simply explain it to them. Lord, you need to, to help us understand it. Because I can explain it to them, but I can't, I can't make them understand it. You need to help us understand it. Help us to understand what it is that you've provided for us through your son Jesus. What is the hope that you've given us? Amen. Hope. There is hope. Now let me talk for a moment just what is the difference between hope and wish? Because sometimes we get a little bit confused. See, hope the way maybe we typically would think about it, like, is I hope my basketball team wins the championship this year. There's hope that we can do it. And that's really a little bit more like a wish. I think it's possible, and, I, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'd like it to happen. I hope for this. But when we talk about a biblical hope, there's a, they, they speak of it in a different way. It's closer to the idea of expectation. It, it's an anticipation because it's grounded in a reality. There's a reason for it. And that reason is foundationally because of Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he, and, and, and he rose again. There's a reason for it. There's, there, there's intellectual arguments to be made that Jesus is not dead. And because he's not dead, everything we're going to talk about today, there's... A, it makes it an anticipation. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. What, what, is the, what is our hope? What expectation did Christmas create? Validate. Provide for us an anticipation. Advent is about that, there's, that Jesus came the first time and he's going to come a second time. And that hope of Jesus' return is so good. And that's what I want us to think about today, and I want us to think about that particularly in 2020, when it's so hard. When I, was, when I want us to think about this Christmas, the hope that Christmas creates. And we're going to see that in Revelation 21. See, the Bible story is U-shaped. It begins, it begins 
in a garden, right? And then we get it all messed up. And, and, and just like any good story, there's a climax. There's a moment where, where, where the narrative turns. And then the resolution to the story becomes clear. And it's just, when's it all, how's it all going to get resolved? And that's where Jesus, that's what Christmas is. It's the moment where the fix occurs. And the fulfillment of what Jesus did is we can see it right here in 21. Now, I'm going to do this a little bit of out of order. Let me get my, my notes here. There. All right. Let me tell you, I'm making four points today. Here are the four, so you can kind of follow along with me, because I'm not going to go strictly exactly but in the order. We're going to be looking verses 1 through 6. And I could, feel, I could, I could type make this three different sermons, but I'm going to just try to condense it down to one. But here are my four points. One, that our hope is from God alone. Two, our hope is, 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 is about a newness, a restoration uh, free from sin. Three, our hope is community. Connecting with God and with all other people who are in fellowship with Him. And then four, our hope is, is a deep soul satisfacting satisfaction in joy. Let me show you in the text. I'm going to actually start in verse 5, actually. Verse 5 of, verse, of chapter 21. He says here in verse 5, He who is seated on the throne, that's the Father, behold, I am making all things New. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy. They are true. He's making all things new. And, and that, this, this is that first point of our hope. This, 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 this age that's coming is something that God does. This is a God thing. And we can see it in, in chapter 1 and in, in verse 2 when it says that Come, I saw the holy city, and we're going to talk and explain all of, all of the images here in this verse. But the key piece I wanted to say in verse 2 is, it's coming down from heaven. God brings it. He's the one that's making all things new. We don't do this. And this passage, all of this, is, is echoed in, in, in multiple places in the Bible. Perhaps the one that's most clearly communicating this one is Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65 says this, For behold, I, create a new, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. I will create. That's the part I want to highlight here. I. I will create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind even. But be glad, rejoice forever. There's the joy piece. For behold, I will create Jerusalem to be a joy, her people to be a gladness. See, this is what this verse is talking about. That God's doing this. This issue that I'm pointing out in this first one is a core problem of the human race is that we think that we can do it. It goes all the way back to the beginning that we don't really need God to procure, to secure, to obtain the good. It goes all the way back to the Genesis, Genesis chapter 3. And here's the end of it. Having gone through all of history, humanity could not and does not and will never 
secure the, 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 the utopia, the good that, he, that, that we have longed for. We can't do it. God has to do it. This, we are deeply, deeply committed as a human race to this. Deeply. We put our faith in, in, in people. We put it into politicians. We put it into politics. We put it into science, producing things like a cure. We, produ- we, we put our faith in ed- education. We put it in all kinds of things but God. And man, if you, if you stop and you kind of look at that and ask yourself this question, do you see God as a, as a solution to anything you hear in the news today? No. It's not. The core problem of human, human race is we can create the utopia. No, you can't. No, we can't. We're just not going to do it. And we need to realize, and then that's why I'm doing this out of order, is that all that I'm about to talk about what our hope is, it is a God-made thing. This is why Christmas had to come. This is why God had to step into, in, into reality, is because humanity can't fix itself. We can't get back to the garden. Remember I said a moment ago that, 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 our, that the story of Bible and humanity and history is U-shaped. It begins in a garden where everything is right, everything's perfect, everything's wonderful. We're in fellowship with each other, we're in fellowship with God, and everything is good. No sin, no nothing, no bad stuff, right? And we mess it up. God created that perfect circumstance, we messed it up. The end is, God creates it again. And then it's going to be permanent. God does this. Not me. Not any human being can do it. We can make little incremental changes, but we're not going to solve ourselves. Solve it ourselves. We can't save ourselves. We cannot save the planet. We cannot save the world. We cannot save society. Ultimately, this is a God-created thing. Point one. Here's point two. This, this hope, our hope is a restored world, restored people, restored creation, and we can see this in verse 1 of 21. 21 verse 1, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Now, this is describing all things. This phrase, heaven and earth, it's, it, it's, a, it's a figure of speech. It's called a merism. Um, a more common one would be A to Z, top to bottom. You know, it means everything in between. So every, it's not just heaven is created, not just earth is create, created new. All things, everything is restored. And it's not out of nothing. It's a restored creation. There's a couple of places we can see, uh, Peter talks about it in chapter 5 of Acts, Jesus refers to it in, 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 in Matthew, um, and you can see it in how this is here, it, it's a renewed earth. He doesn't recreate earth, he just, rest- like restoring a car, you don't, you don't just completely get a new car, it's taking an old junker and fixing it back up so it's just off the factory assembly. 
It's an echo of going all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2 again. It's a restored humanity. All of creation at this point is groaning, it's aching, and we can feel it in our bones, we can feel it in our, in our, and just the weight of this world, things are just off. And maybe this year, more than any year, we can really feel how wrong the world is. This is saying that all things are going to be restored to factory settings again. Reset. Oh the way it's supposed to be, the way God intended it to be. And that includes not just the oceans and the sky and, and the ground, the animals, but people in every aspect are going to be restored the way they're supposed to be. We're going to be like Jesus. We're going to be perfect. We're going to be resurrected at this point. And the only place that we, any, any hint that we have of what, what is resurrected life going to be like is to look at the only one who's been resurrected, and that's Jesus. We will be like Jesus. This is your hope. First John chapter 3 describes, just says that, that we will be like Jesus. When he appears, that's at the second coming, we, all us believers, will be like him. We will see him, and we will be like him. Well, how is Jesus? He's a fr first of all, he's a fully human being. He can be hugged. He can relate. He can eat. He can laugh. He can all that the be. Your future is human. You're not going to be an angel. You're not going to be a spirit. You're going to have flesh and bones, with no decay, with no faults, no frailty. No disease, nothing that plagues our current existence. Nothing. No cancers, no dementias, all of that gone. 1 Corinthians 15 describes this. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, and the, the last trumpet will sound. And the dead will be raised, imperishable. We will be changed. For this perishable body that falls apart and has aches and pains that wakes up in the morning and goes, oh, this mortal body will put on immortality. We'll be like Christ. That's, the, that, that's what your hope is, is a completely restored humanity, including yourself. But that self in this creation will have zero sin in it. Zero bad stuff will be there. And that's what's being got at with this, with this line here. It says, and there, verse 1, and the sea was no more. It does not mean that there will be no large bodies of water in the new heavens and the new earth. That's not the point here. Revelation is a, is, a, is, a, is a type of literature, type of genre of, of writing that uses metaphor constantly. That's, its, that's how it writes. It's similar to a poetry, but it's certainly nothing like the letters of Paul. It constantly is using metaphors to communicate something real, something true. And in the Bible, the sea represents 
evil, the source, the cre- where evil comes from. We can see that in Isaiah 57, where, say, where it describes that the, that the evil are like the tossing of the sea. And we can see it here in, in Revelation. Revelation 13, the, the, the beast comes out of the sea. The sea represents badness. The Leviathan lives in the sea. So what he's getting at here is in the, there will be no more source of that which can threaten you, can you, cause you to fear, cause you to, th- to, to, to be tempted to sin, something to, to threaten your relationship with God, something to mar how you relate to other people. Can you imagine that? It's very difficult, isn't it? That to imagine an eternity where everybody perfectly relates to other people. Wow. No more abuse. No more, no more any of that stuff. This is your hope. This is the first piece that I wanted to communicate. Yes, this is what God is making. It's a world with no sin and people and the creation is perfect. It's restored. Back to Genesis 2 before there was sin. Here's the second part. When we see he creates all of this new heavens and new create, and then in starting in verse 2, he reveals the thing that he is most excited about. The, the jewel, the centerpiece. And it is a community of people. Verse 2. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I'm going to read verse 3 too. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Now, what is this describing? It is describing the people of God in relationship with God and with each other using three metaphors. Three metaphors. The, the, the metaphor of, of, of the holy city, of Jerusalem, New Jerusalem, and a bride. Three metaphors. Three, one idea described at three different angles. And we know it's the people of God for a couple of different reasons. One, because we can see how the, the flow of this goes. We know because places like Ephesians chapter 5 describes that the, the God's people are like a bride, the wife of Jesus. As well as tons of references in the Old Testament that describes God's people as his bride, as, as God is being a husband to his people. That's what this is describing. But in addition to this, we can look at this here and go, this, this, this holy city, Jerusalem, it's the idea that, that in, in, in the book of Revelation, there are two, it's a tale of two cities. The tale of Babylon, who, who when we look at the characteristics of Babylon, like in chapter 18, it represents the world and, all, and people who are sinful, who people who are in rebellion to God, and that is contrasted with, the, with the, the, the city of Jerusalem who are in a right relationship with God, who want to be with God. In addition to that, 
In, in, in ancient days, the, the city was considered the, the, the pinnacle of civilization. It is the place where the, lots of people come together and they live rightly together. And, and the metaphors that are being used here, is, it, it's called a metonymy. And we know it that we may not have ever heard that word before, but we're familiar with that, for wh what a metonymy is. For example, I could say, um, today the White House made an announcement. That's a metonymy. We know that there's not a white home somewhere that spoke, right? We know that. We know that when we say the White House made an announcement, we mean that someone from the ad presidential administration spoke. Maybe it was the press secretary, maybe, maybe it was the president itself, but it's, it's a way of referring to a people, to a person. The president spoke. He made an announcement, and we use the phrase, the figure of speech, the White House. That's what's happening here. We have, a, we have three images described from, from three different angles describing the people of God. Now, the first one, the holy city, is, is the idea of a community. It's his people. And it's holy because holy is the idea of being fit in his presence. Holy is something that's, it, it, that's in the temple. Holy is what's designated, that's purified to be in God's presence. So it's, it's a community city that's made holy, fit for God's presence. And it's New Jerusalem. It's Jerusalem. It's a, it's a restored Jerusalem. And what is Jerusalem? It's where the king lives. It's where he puts his house. This is the residence, the place where the king rules from. The people of God will have the, the king, Jesus himself, among them. And just follow how this goes through. You see, I saw... The holy city, another name for that is New Jerusalem, and it's coming down from heaven, and it's this holy city, this New Jerusalem, is like a bride, right? And, and then he makes a comment about this city, this Jerusalem, this bride, and he says that, the, verse 3, that the dwelling of God is with man. Man is what he's referring to, and it's referring to people, his people, re living with God. That's what, that's what this is. Now, later on this, in, this, in this text, in, in verse 22, it, it's going to describe the new heavens and new earth, and it'll say there's no, there's no temple. There's no temple. Why? There's not a need for a temple, because ev all of humanity will live in continuously in the presence of God. Me with you, you with me, and us together with him. That's our hope. That's your future. And it'll be an intimacy as like a bride with her husband. And that should bring all those images of a bride and groom on their wedding night. The deep connection, the deep joy, the deep bringing together of two people. This is what is coming. It's not just that this God is going to create a restored humanity and he's going to create a community. 
a deep in intimacy with each other. And we can see this here. You can see, you know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, talks about Paul making us as a bride. And we can see in Revelation 19, this beautiful image here. Let us, verse, I think it's, I think I'm going to start in verse 7. I don't know what I have here. Oh, yeah, good. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory. Why? Because he created this. He did this. Why? Because the marriage of the Lamb has come. His bride has made herself ready. It is granted to her, God did this, with fine linen, bright and pure, for the linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. The angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited. It's a people who are in a relationship with God. Your hope is, is to be right with God. And how did that happen? It happened by Christmas. It happened by Christmas. See, again, I, I started off by saying that the story of, uh, of, of the Bible is U-shaped. And remember, we had it right and we blew it? Well, then God began to create, way, communicate that he's going to restore things. He's going to bring us back to it. And so he set up the, the, the story of Israel, which at that time when, when, when God created Israel, God dwelled with them. It was an image of what's coming here. But at that point, would be, Jesus, God lived in a, in, a, in a tent. Later on, that would become a temple. But in a re replay of Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 3, the people of Israel sinned and God kicked them out. Exiled them into Babylon. And the glory of God departed. And so we end the Old Testament back where we were in Genesis 3. God makes promises that and wants us to be in a relationship with him, but we're not. But then Christmas comes, the beginning of the, uh, of the New Testament. God comes to dwell with us again. That's what the word Emmanuel means. God is with us. It's what's being described in, in John chapter 1, verse 14. That the word became flesh. It's another way, word for Jesus. He became flesh. He dwelled with us. We've seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son of, son of the father. Full of grace. Full of truth. But then what did we do to him? People rejected him. Hated him. Killed him. Because that's what humanity does. That's why God has to create it. But having paid for our sins on the cross to purify us, to make us this holy nation, these, this, this, this people fit to be in his presence, he rises again on the three de third day, he goes up to heaven and he pours out the Holy Spirit. And so today, God dwells with us through the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have God with you. Emmanuel is literally with you right now. But it's still just a foretaste. It's a deposit guaranteeing the, our inheritance, as Ephesians chapter 1 describes. And the fullness of that inheritance is right here in Genesis 21, uh, Revelation 21, where finally God will dwell with us 
again. Which leads me to my last point. What's the big deal of God dwelling with us? Life is broken, isn't it? We live in a, a day where there's, there's so much to be afraid of, there's so much to be anxious about, there's so much to be, affra- to be, to be uh, um, upset about, there's so much injustice, there's so much wrongness. Whether it's, whether it's on a macro scale or it's just on an interpersonal level where people are snippy and gripey and mean to each other. Relationships are strained. But why should we expect anything else? Our experience in the Bible makes absolutely clear that that is the day we live in, that the world is broken, that we are broken. Humanity is broken. It's groaning, longing for the day that God will come and fix it again. And it'll never be fixed. It doesn't mean we don't try to make it better. But don't put our hope in it. Don't put our hope that humanity can somehow rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic well enough to make it work. It won't happen. It'll never be fixed until this moment. And in this moment, then comes the joy. In this moment, it all changes. And we're in the presence of God, the one who is the source of good, who has made us new. There will be nothing bad left at all. And it's described here in verse 4 this way. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. There are seven no mores in this passage. There are seven. The first one was no more seed, and here's another set of them. There will be no more weeping. There will be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, nor any more. Verse 20, when we go down farther down the list here, there will be, there's no more night, no more temple. Why? Because everything will be right. All of those things will be gone. So, and, 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 and he communicates them in the negative, but let me write, r- say them in the positive. There's not going to be any, he's going to wipe every tear because in, there will be only life. There will be no death. Death will be, no, will be a be, but a memory. There will, there's not going to be any mourning. It's, what's the opposite of mourning? Celebrating? In eternity of celebrating? There will be no more crying instead they'll be laughing there'll be no more pain there's just going to be peace there's not going to be any any of those former things will be just gone this is what christmas this is the hope of christmas it's described in isaiah 35 like this that the redeemed of the lord shall return to eden come home to zion Zion is another name for Jerusalem. Back to the place where the king dwells with us and will do so with singing, with joy. That's celebrating. Everlasting joy will be upon their heads and they shall obtain gladness and joy, sorrow and mourning and sighing 
will be gone. Because we're going to be in the presence of our Savior. Psalm 16, one of my favorite verses, 1611, says it this way. You, God, have made known to me the path of life. Why? And, and, and in your presence, which is what we're describing right here in verse 21, there are pleasures eternal. And some of these pleasures will be with being able to see our loved ones again. See my mom, see my dad, see my grandparents. All, all these people will be, will be in community. And as it, as it describes here, in ver we go, go down a couple of verses to verse 6, where he talks about how he will give life I am, it is done. I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. I am bringing this. I am the beginning and the end. He's going to make this happen. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life. It's this deep soul satisfaction. Life will be right. This is your hope, dear believer. This is the hope of Christmas. Made by God where nothing is wrong again and everything's back the way it's supposed to be in, 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 and we're in deep community with God, with other people, it's all of us together and we have soul-satisfying joy. That's the hope of Christmas. That's the hope that we have today. This is what the candle is re reminding us for, that in this dark world, that hope is lighting our way. It's coming. Remember that when we come to East, when we come to Christmas this year. That remember that when we sing some songs like "Oh, come to my divine Messiah," when we sing like "Oh, come, O come, Emmanuel," hear what it's saying. It's saying it's a long for this moment to come. It's there. Advent. Jesus has come, and Jesus is coming again. He will bring us home. Let's pray. Father, there is hope, and I am so grateful for that hope. Help us to hear it, help us to see it, help us to, to have it deep in our soul that that this hope is absolutely sure. It is not a wish. It is not a, it, it, a, a just a longing. It's, it's an anticipation. It is, is grounded in, in, in fact. It is grounded as, as the rocks, as the floor on which we stand on. That this day is coming. You, are, you will not tarry. You'll bring it. And before we know it, in a twinkling of an eye, we'll be home with you. Amen. Thoughts, Joe? What you mentioned, restore, and, if, and, you, and you described it as uh, like a vehicle, and it just reminded me of my first car, mm. and that it's sitting in a garage someplace, nobody's driving it, waiting for somebody to restore it. And that makes me think of um, just people, you know, um, that, uh, that live in despair, that are waiting to, for people to remind them that they can be restored.
um, that it's unlikely to happen on its own without some degree of intervention. And that means that we are vehicles for hope mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the communicating that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so despair was a big word that just popped in. Yeah. You know, just like last week was bitterness, this week despair. Yeah. Uh, I think about these individuals that with whom my wife has worked who have communicated to her at some point, I've made too many mistakes I give up on this life, and it's not. It's not. Um, it's not. Jesus can't save me. It's very practical. I have made so many mistakes. There is no hope for me in despair. this world. Just extraordinary despair. Yeah. How do we communicate to people in such extraordinary with living with such extraordinary levels of despair that? You can look beyond this very moment and look to eternity because of what Christ has done. What an extraordinary challenge for us uh, and what a, a huge responsibility. I don't think we can I don't think we can give <sighs> see if I can see how I can explain this. I don't know that we can literally give hope. I think what we can do is be a almost a symbol of hope. Right, right. We can communicate there is hope for you, you know, by, 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 by being people who, 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 who live with hope, who, who grant that, yeah, you're right, you've messed up your life. Hey, so have I, by the way, but there's hope. Yeah. God, there is a God still. There is still someone. And yeah, especially today, even if, and even not your math, your, your, your circumstances where there's some people who are critically despairing, but the world is just pretty dark right now. Right, yeah. We need to be people of hope. Yeah, Yeah. well, and that's, uh, we've talked about this before. When you go to social media, someday, I'll go to Facebook maybe three times a day just to see what's going on. And there's some days I, I pull it up and I see people sharing things that are dark. Yeah. And people that are Christian friends of mine who are sharing dark. And we need to be people of hope. We do. And, you know, if, uh, if we want to restore that old Chevy pickup, <laughs> um, it's not going to happen by throwing rocks at the pickup. Do you think sometimes the reason why people are dark is because us Christians are leaning and looking to hope in things other than God? Oh, sure. Yeah. Because they're despairing. They're dark because they're looking for something other than God to give hope and that something is disappointing them. Yeah. yeah. And it could be themselves. Right. We, 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 it Why did I make is. that choice? You know, um, yeah. I mean, this is very complex, so we don't have to go too no. much into it. It's did you have any other thoughts, by the way? Well, no, it was dis despair was the big was despair. the big piece is, you know, is um, I think that even even people who are outwardly presenting something other than despair they're still despair. they're still you know and uh it's us we as individuals can choose hope and acknowledge that hope in our uh, for ourselves and also recognize that we can be not that we're giving people hope but we are reminding them of there the hope well that's said. there 
And I think that's really so important, especially as we enter these dark days. Uh, 2020. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally and figuratively, that we have an opportunity to remind people of what restoration can look like. Uh, it's a conversation I've had with my 12-year-old recently. So it's just really, it's I think timely. It's very timely, yeah. hope you have a good week. And that's a wish. It's a prayer. But I want you to remember that you have hope. That there is hope. There's hope that God is going to restore things. That he's going to restore you. There's hope of a, of a renewed community. Deep connections with people. With God. Your hope is with joy. It is restored. It is a resta restoration. It is a community. And it is joy. And don't let the world remove that from you. By trusting in something that's not going to, that's just going to disappoint you. The only thing that's not going to disappoint you is God. You may not understand him always, but he'll never disappoint. He's coming. Be that joy, have that hope, so that as Joe pointed out, you can give that hope by being a, a, a kind of a light of hope to those around you, because you have it. And next week, we're going to be talking about peace, because I think we need peace too, don't we? Till next week, God bless.